gem of a secret podcast. My name's Donatella, my secret. And my name's Coco Holiday Gem. And you can just call me Donna. (laughs) (laughs) God. I've been wanting to say that because, like, I don't know, I really connected with what Mohart said on Drag Race All-Stars UK versus the Universe World, that long title, you know Uh what I'm talking about, that title. They just want to be known as Mohart, a genderless performer. Oh. Um, and I think that that's cool. Because oh, wow. I really enjoy doing makeup, but I don't necessarily always present feminine when I want to be out. And mm-hmm. I granted, I don't do much drag at all anymore. But I think if I did make my return, it would be much more androgynous. And who knows? Maybe you'll be seeing some of that in the near future. Yeah. Well, and then even so, for me, um, I have... I've done a lot more bearded drag recently. I was getting ready for a fundraiser that was bearded drag and whatever, but yeah. I was finding power in the androgyny of that moment. Like, like I had a beard, and then I was doing these very hyper-feminine songs, yeah. which is kind of different sometimes. Like, I'm doing songs that, like, talk about being a sexy woman, but I had this mm-hmm. full uh, beard, and it was just, like, it was interesting playing with that a little bit, I think. And the sense of, like, not having to fit too much into... The norm, because I already don't fit into the norm presenting male, sorry, it's presenting femme or mask. Like, I just never feel like I'm fitting in fully into those titles. You know, same. And so, like, it just kind of, it was just like my life personified was yeah. what I was doing, which is kind of weird. It was, it was, that's what was happening. Yeah, I, I look back at a lot of my drag and all of it was so hyper feminized and I was always going for, like, an hourglassy shape. Mm-hmm. trying to be very curvy and and fit this very specific image of what I believe drag to be. Mm-hmm. And my perception of that has morphed and evolved and changed a lot. And I think in order for me to be happy doing this, being mm-hmm. an entertainer, being considering myself a drag entertainer still, I would need to really expand what that is. And, and I am currently, actually. As, as we're talking about it, I'm expanding, you know, who I am as an entertainer. And I just, I think that the, like, femme fatale Donna phase was great, you know. That was mm-hmm. Donna telling my secrets. But now you can just call me Donna. It's just a good neutral way to express myself now, so. Yeah, I love that. And I'm still debating about whether or not I want to change my drag name. Yeah. I'm more back in the gray area of if I want to do it or not. Um, I It has to be right. That's the other thing. I It has to be something that's, like, fulfilling to me to want to actually do that and then, like, close off that channel and that legacy for moving yeah. forward. Yeah. So. That makes sense. I don't know. We'll I think see. the reason why I like what I, like, just, like, the shortened name is because my name outside of drag is Donovan and it has, like, the way it pronounced, the way it's pronounced is Donna Ben. You know? Yeah. So, like, it, it can kind of be both. So I yeah. I like that. You can you can just call me Donna, everybody. Oh, I thought it was called Just Donna. Just Donna. <laughs> just Donna. First name is Just. Yeah. Just, like, just Jan. Just Jan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, people are like, God, this is so no. stupid. Why are they talking about their names so much? Because <laughs> it's our identity, listeners. It's our identity, and we've been talking about this for a long time. I know. One We're day going we'll through changes. I am changed. Anyway, so um, <laughs> what are you wearing this evening? Well... Speaking of changes, I... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't know. I'm not even ready. <laughs> I am a caterpillar that work. Um, after I take the first layer off, I'm then a cocoon. And then from the cocoon, I'm uh, just a gray doll moth. You thought I was going to say butterfly, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I, my, I'm serving underwhelming <laughs> right now. I'm serving, you know, you think like you get like a bright, colorful reveal. Instead, mm-hmm. you're just going to get drab. <laughs> uh, I'm serving disappointment. <laughs> I'm serving disappointment. Well, what about you? Um, well, so this is kind of creative, I thought. Yeah. So um, I'm wearing a Snuggie, uh, but instead of it being open in the back, I decided to actually sew it mm. to where it goes up to my neckline. And so it kind of goes all the way around with the armholes. Yeah. And then... <laughs> a flower in my head to make it drag. Oh, yeah. It's it's giving Teletubby. <laughs> I mean, it kind of looks like a nightgown now, but I don't know. <laughs> I think it's really chic because I made it. Yeah, yeah. loves it. <laughs> so yeah. we... Um, we had been kind of like reminiscing um, about our lives and like Grand Junction, of course, and like we were thinking about like where we came from and like queer stories and how we grew up and our upbringing and whatever. And Donna's kind of a hippie. Yeah. Um, she always was. Like, one of my favorite things to say to her, which I don't know if I've ever said it in the podcast, was I used to always say to her when she was, I'd be like, what are you doing, Donna? And she's like, well, I'm watching a documentary on Kurt Cobain. And then I'd be like, I'd be like fucking hippie. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hipster. <laughs> God. I just have a very earthy range of influence. What's earthy range? I don't, I don't know. Uh, you're like... <laughs> She like needed a word to I go before rage. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Rage. I don't know what it means, but I. I... <laughs> she has lots of varying tastes. Lots I of do. it to do with pop culture, but the funny thing is, like, her pop culture is even like a niche market about the things she likes. Yeah. And so, like, some of this other stuff that she's interested in, like, it's just so fascinating to I... me. <laughs> I have really just like sections of pop culture <laughs> knowledge which i am i'm fairly good at trivia for that reason because yeah. if you commit yourself to like sections of pop culture and you also watch as much reality television as i do then it just kind of becomes part of you yeah and actually we are starting a trivia actually that's going to be weekly happening at Lycum brewing here every thursday starting in march Ooh, um yes that technically could have been our commercial but i feel like i wanted to just say that while i had it on the top of my mind yeah Um, Also, speaking of hippies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Donna, how are you doing this evening? Well, I will let you know after this brief break because we have a guest. Guests! (laughs) It's a podcast with Coco and Donna. Tell a podcast. Tune into what they tell you, podcast. With Coco and Donna. Tell a podcast. Well, Coco, I'm feeling very groovy <laughs> because we have Adam's mom with us tonight, Marcy Nichols. Hey, Marcy. Say hi to the folks. Well, hello, everybody. <laughs> We're so happy to have you here with us, Marcy. Yeah, we are. Um, 
our moms are visiting, me and Adam's moms are visiting uh, us for a little bit over a week, which is super exciting. And so we figured that we would obviously include at least one of them on this podcast to talk to them about our lives and their lives and what's going on. So that's really exciting. So what's going on? What is going on, Marcy? Where are you from? Where where do you live right now? Oh, my goodness. I am first off very excited to be here. I can't tell you how proud and how happy I am that both of you are doing so well in everything that you have been involved with, and it just really makes a mom proud. Just makes a mom proud. Right now, I'm living in a little place called Sakayo. Most people know it by the name of Ohio. Um, but if if you've ever lived there, you can understand why I call it Sakayo. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to Ohio. I've never been to Ohio either. Not mm-hmm. missing much. There's a funny music. There's a musical that has a song called "A Summer in Ohio." Uh, in the last five years, has a song, oh. and it's talking about how miserable a summer in Ohio is. <laughs> <laughs> so I can imagine what Ohio is like. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> to put it into perspective, um, what I considered a normal summer, which was approximately three months or about 12 weeks of about 80 degree or warmer weather, mm. was extraordinarily rare for the locals there. <laughs> I'd um. only been living there since 2018, mm-hmm. and I had no idea what a summer involved there. Yeah. But my son and I both ride Harleys, Mm. and uh, we got the little ones out on the back, and we were able to videotape um, going down the road on a nice summer day, 4th of July, as a matter of fact. We took the boys out (laughs) on the back of the bikes, the little guys, my grandsons. I've never been on a Harley. Neither I feel like I, I have to say that because Marcy always talks about riding motor- motorcycles, mm. and I've never actually been on a Harley. I have a mm. so my grandma's name is Marcy, and she <laughs> loves Harleys. <laughs> no way, step grandmother. Yes. Wow. Um, it's actually son. just Marcy that's here. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I absolutely love that. Oh, <laughs> that's Gosh. so cool. Yeah. Um. So, have you ever been to the Pacific Northwest before? I have been stationed in Fort Lewis for six years, three years on and then ran to Germany for three years and came back here for three years and ran back to Germany for three years Mm. with the Army. Dang. Wow. (laughs) So what was Germany like? Yeah. Uh, It was great because (laughs) I went there in the 1980s when there was Mm. Reaganomics and so Mm -hmm. the Deutschmark to dollar rate was three to one. Mm. And you could flash a dollar bill anywhere and they would take it out on the economy. You didn't have to exchange money at the bank. Of course, you didn't get the exact ratio. Mm -hmm. However, it was quite convenient. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I was there when the wall came down. Really? And I had no idea what the big deal was. I should have grabbed a hunk of it. Yeah. But then I thought, you know, who in the world's going to believe this hunk of concrete came from the Berlin Wall, <laughs> you know? So I just had the memories. Yeah. That's so that was cool. A, that was a thing when I was a kid, actually, when there were lots of people who would have, like, this 
brick or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, that's a piece of the Berlin Wall. And sometimes it would have like, you know, like um, graffiti. graffiti on it mm-hmm. every once in a while. But every once in a while, there would just be like a piece of rock. And I was always so confused of how they knew. <laughs> like, that, that was actually no authentic. Yeah. I'm sure you could do some kind of analysis, but I wasn't going to play that game. <laughs> Were you there when the Hoff performed? David Hasselhoff? Berlin with Days of Ohio. No, I don't. I may have been. Mm-hmm. I don't know what year that was. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> I, don't. I don't know if I've ever asked, but how long was your military career? I went in when I was 17. Oh, wow. And I w- that was 1979. Mm. And I had 16 years on active duty. And then I had another six years in the active reserves. And I figured I was on the downhill. And I was going to just do six years in the National Guard and be done with it. But while I was in the National Guard, they called me back up on active duty. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, well. <laughs> wow, dude, that's a long career. What is so that? I like? went in yeah. in 79 and got out in 2011. Damn. Wow. So all that's of the awesome. 1980s, all of the 1990s, and all of the 2000s, I went through four uniform changes. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. That's really cool. It was. I didn't think about it at the time, how incredible and, and pioneering things were for me in the beginning. I just was trying to do everything I could to keep up with the guys. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, because I didn't want to stand out. I didn't want to be yeah, thought of as one of those kind of girls, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up with my brother and his friends. I grew up as a competitive AAU swimmer. And I used to be able to run the two miles in 14 minutes. And right. I wasn't going to let anybody slow me down. Mm-hmm. I was probably the very first female ever assigned to the actual 82nd Airborne Division headquarters and headquarters company. Damn. Before then, all the rest of the females that got assigned to the 82nd got shipped over to 18th Airborne Corps. Hmm. And I was like, no. Wow. They didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh no, we got a female. Wait, wait, wait. We had to find, they had to find some place to, to house me. Of course, I had oh, to wow. have a latrine. Oh, wow. So guess what? I got put up in officer's quarters. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I had a room of my own and a bathroom of my own. And I got to be the colonel's driver because he wanted to keep a close eye on me. Mm. <laughs> that's kind of cool that's an interesting story I never even that thought about really that cool. being in the army at yeah one nine... of the first jobs I had I, I was trained as a tactical wire operations specialist but because I chose my location instead of my job they had to retrain me mm. so I got to work with one of the most fabulous individuals that I've ever met his name was Yoshio Morishita, and he was a Japanese-American immigrant. His family immigrated over here during the war. His f- parents had been put in the internment camps and whatnot, and wow. he still strived to be a good soldier. And he was the colonel's right-hand man when it came for any and all legal issues. Wow. He did all the court martials. He did all the Article 15s. He did all the officer and senior enlisted OE, uh, evaluation reports. Mm. Wow. And I got to work with him. 
That's crazy. So yeah. back in that time, did you know any, like, anyone in the army who was like LGBT? Um, when I went in in '79, in late '70s and early '80s, it was all about don't ask, don't tell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And ironically, my very first encounter with anyone that was LBGT anything mm-hmm. um, was one of the females that lived across the hall from me in the female um, end of the barracks uh, at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And she asked me, could I give her a ride to work? Now, mind you, this was 9 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what kind of work are you doing at 9 o'clock at night? You're a soldier during the day. Wait a minute, what are you... Well, I figured she's working the night shift. She's making mm-hmm. some bills. She's, I, didn't, I didn't think nothing of it. She says, no, seriously, you can give me a ride. I'll get you in the door. I'll even pay your way. I'll pay your gas. I'm driving a Dodge Colt. It, it rides all month on 20 bucks. I'm like, sure, give me gas money. I don't care. And so I'm like, get me in the door. Get me what? So I had no clue. We get to the, the club. And they put a little smiley face on my hand. And, you know, when you first go into a club and you kind of keep your eyes to yourself down at the mm-hmm. ground, you just, you're not really sure and you're mm-hmm. by yourself. And so you go up and get a drink and then you find your way to your table. And you then once you sit at the table, you kind of, you know, start looking around. Okay, okay. Okay, wait, what? <laughs> and I'm watching two females kissing in the doorway by the pool room. Okay, okay, you know, that that's happens. And then I'm checking out the guys at the bar. Oh, man, the guys at the bar. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and the next thing you know, I see one of the guys feeling up the other guy's ass. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm just sitting at the table all by myself, and finally my friend comes over, and she's... Changed out of her civilian clothes, and now she is in a zoot suit. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. And I'm, and she's like, hi, how you doing? How you doing? Everything going okay? I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fine. You need another drink? No. No, no. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, she said, the show will be starting any minute. Just keep an eye on the stage over there. Sure. Okay. <laughs> and I'm still looking around the room to see if I can see any guy-girl couples. Nope, not happening. <laughs> wow. Next thing I know, the show starts. And this fabulous female comes up, and she's got the Dolly Parton hair, <laughs> 10 feet high, teased out forever, all the way down to her ass. She's got the sequins dress on, the, the whole evening gown. She starts making the announcement. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I hear this deep voice, and I'm like, what? My name is Peanut. I'll be your MC for tonight. I died. I'm like, what? Peanut? Peanut. Peanut. Really? And the show began. And it was a drag show that I've never seen before, never heard anything the first of it. I saw females impersonating, you know, what I thought were females impersonating other females. And then my one single female friend was the only one impersonating the men. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And so she was up there in her zoot suit, and she did her fabulous little, and I'm my needless, my jaws are hanging <laughs> on the table and dropped on the floor a couple of times. I picked it back up, you know. Wow. And the show was fabulous. And that was my first introduction to anything other than heterosexual whatever what a great introduction wow <laughs> i mean <laughs> wow i went to I'm germany and lived with the red impressed. light district was all about. <laughs> oh yeah <Ooh>. leveled up <laughs> yeah i'm just i'm <laughs> so wow i'm that is an awesome i wonder what that drag artist's name is they were the dragons the, were still weird back then so i know peanut said that she took almost nine hours to do her own hair that was all her, her own, own hair. hair. Oh, wow. I said, honey, I'm born with it, and I can't even make it look that good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. She was using her real hair. Oh, man. And the nails, everything, mm-hmm. everything. There was no, there was, yeah. I was so impressed. Mm. So wow. impressed. I would be, too. I was just on the floor. <laughs> on the floor. And then that was my first, that was my introduction to to uh, all, of, all of that could be and all that mm-hmm. wonder. You know, wow. and the the couple that sat with me is a brother and sister, and they um, have been gay since day one. But every time they go home to mom and dad, mm-hmm. they switch each other's clothes. They wear each other's <laughs> clothes, and 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 the other each none, 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 the the female never known has never known what a man feels like, and the male has never known what a female feels like. Mm-hmm. But when they go home, they have to act totally straight in front of mom and dad. And that wow. was the one thing that they said, and they're, they're here they are, 25 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And they said that was the hardest thing for them, yeah. was to act like mom and dad expected them to mm. act. Wow. And to wear each other's clothes. Yeah. Right. You know? But yeah, I was like, whoa, that was a, that really blew That's me crazy. away. crazy. Yeah. yeah. And that was, um, that was like my second duty station um, there at Fort Campbell. And then, uh, oh, from Fort Campbell, we went to Panama. Woohoo! <laughs> the things that those ladies do down there with those Coke bottles. Oh, oh. <laughs> man! Oh, that's great. Oh, oh that's my great. goodness. The guys just love it. I was just. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I love it. I, I had to kind of cover my eyes a couple of times. It's just like, whoa, that's a little much for me. Ah, oh, come on, Sarge, they say. <laughs> so, so much fun. Has drag, how would you say, seeing shows back then, how do you think drag has evolved throughout the years? I would like to say that I think it's kind of gone a little over the top. Yeah. In the sense that. What I saw back then, like the, like Peanut, for instance, mm-hmm. it it was all him, her, whatever. Mm-hmm. There there was very little extra, little mm-hmm. very little extra padding, extra makeup going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. There was there was very much, but I mean the 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 sensuality, the mm-hmm. sexuality was still there, mm-hmm. and it was very present and very. Very um, uh, profound, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Oh, I want to know more." Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. look how elegant, look how graceful, look how beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just had to say, "Ah, I need to know more." Yeah, and I ended up in Germany, and I partied with some of the people that it, it didn't matter if you were white, purple, gray, even if you were if you were twelve or twenty or two hundred, man, mm-hmm. there was something for you. Yeah, uh, at the red light, man, we partied all night long there. <laughs> it was so much fun, so much fun. I bet. And yeah, in Germany in the eighties, 
the, <laughs> the hashish that was going around that was something. Oh, damn. Chunky uh-huh. bar, you know? Yeah. Chocolate chunky bars. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how I would get my hash. Really? Literally, they, they looked like chunky candy bars. Dang. That's, yes. That's it was cool. so Oh, good. gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, man. And, 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 and the, the thing was, I quit smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the Germans would roll a cigarette and they would hmm. put... They would sprinkle the cigarette, the tobacco, mm-hmm. with hash. Mm-hmm. And to them, that was a treat. Right. I would get more high off the tobacco than I did <laughs> off the hash because <laughs> I didn't smoke cigarettes no. at yeah. the time. But it was still so much fun, so much fun. That's so cool. Germany was the best in, in, during the 80s. Everybody was, was pretty calm. We didn't have anything hairier violent or nothing mm-hmm. going on you know so it was pretty much a big party yeah that's awesome it was pretty much a big party so i want to ask so what was it like when adam came out of the closet there was to me there was never a time when he actually came out of the closet because when he was younger he really didn't date much um i let him have long hair and i braided his hair every morning before he went to school and we mm-hmm. live way, way out in in the in the the Netherlands of <laughs> of Colorado and Utah border. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't know then and found out later was he was getting ridiculed and beaten on and bullied constantly mm-hmm. for his long hair. And needless to say, he was one of the biggest kids in the place, so it was hard for anybody to really hurt him. Mm-hmm. But that still wasn't the point. They would come up and punch him in the back of the head and run away. Mm. Um, yeah. Things like that. Just just nasty, evil, nasty. So the, he, at that time in middle school, had a girlfriend type person. And she was a sweet young girl. But her parents, for some reason, didn't want her dating. She was only, I think, maybe 15. Mm-hmm. And I think actually younger than that, maybe 14. Anyways, um, her and Adam had a few little dates, if you will. And then we moved from way up there in the country, we moved closer in town. Mm-hmm. And once he got in town... He didn't worry so much about what others thought of him Mm. because being around um, more populous area, Mm -hmm. you became a little more anonymous. Hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So like when you're out in the middle in your sticks, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. You come move into town, you know, it's kind of hard to know everybody. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he started... Um, dating here and there and had like a, a boyfriend here and there mm-hmm. and and I don't remember that there was ever a real event where he actually came out but he was just like well mom this is who I'm dating right now this is who I'm seeing right now mm-hmm. and I'm like oh okay what's his name how long have you known him mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it was just like the same questions I asked when he had a girlfriend yeah and ironically the girl looked very much like the Guys that he liked to date. <laughs> she was really slender and had a little butch bob kind of hair. Little, little twix, little tween or whatever you yeah, want to call them. Twink. You know? A twink. A twink. Uh, still very oh, edible. Yes. <laughs> 
but yeah, we had a good giggle over that. And, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he dated on and off, but it was hard for him to date at the time because he was going through some legal bullshit. Mm-hmm. And and the the probation people were watching him and questioning every little thing he did and mm-hmm. who are you with and why are you with them and then and then and So he was like, well, screw you. I'm just not going to date anybody. Yeah. yeah. You know, until yeah. this is all behind me. Yeah. And so there was never really a coming out in in. When Adam was a toddler, he decided that he was going to put on the white go-go boots that went all the way up to his hips mm-hmm. and one of my silky <laughs> nightgowns. Mm-hmm. So I kind of figured way back then that there was something a little different about my yeah. little guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, when I was pregnant with all three of my boys, I definitely knew my first one was a boy. Mm-hmm. I definitely knew my second one was going to be a boy. Mm-hmm. You know, moms just kind of have those feelings, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Adam was the only one I was just a little iffy on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's so great. Yeah, but you've um, you've been a really supportive mom when it came to Adam and his journey with like through life and stuff. I remember you always being in the picture, even when I was like I like couple weeks after I met him he's like oh yeah I'm gonna go hang out with my mom or my mom's coming over or me and my mom are going to lunch or something like that and like he always spoke really incredibly highly of you even when we were just like when I seriously when I first just met him well that's good to know (laughs) he he didn't tell you all the horror stories right away (laughs) no that comes later (laughs) oh goodness he's a good kid it was hard not to be supportive of him you know, I mean, he's got a heart of gold. He tries really hard doing, you know, no matter what it was that he was doing, whether it was his schoolwork or, you know, just anything he tried to get involved in, you know, scouting at one time, things like that, you know, he would put his whole heart into it. So yeah. it was hard not to support him. What do you have to say to parents who are struggling to support kids that are queer? Um, what advice do you have for them? They're your babies. That's that's all I can say. Mm-hmm. That is your child. That's your baby. That's that's a part of you. And there's got to be a little part of you that says that you recognize where they're coming from and what they're going through. And you might even have gone through some of it yourself. And whether you choose to face it or not is another story. But supporting them should be the number one thing that you need to do no matter what your child does whether your child is an olympic sports uh, medalist or your child is is illiterate or 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 maybe autistic who cares no matter where your child falls on that scale he's still your baby yeah. I just I can't, I can't see it any other way. I love how you know, some, Marcy makes it incredibly simplistic some, in the yeah. way that you wish other people would. Yeah. Well, and I don't, <laughs> well, and I have a hard time finding finding understanding and sympathy for the parents that don't support their children. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I, that's I, a good point. I really point. do have a hard time for that. Yeah. Um. It it maybe that's just my me my my faults my setbacks but. I was a middle child. I was ridiculed. I was never good enough. Mm-hmm. So perhaps that was one reason why it was easy for me to, to, to be right there for him. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. I'm, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, just, I mean... I know what it felt like to be ridiculed. 
Yeah. I know what it felt like to be that outcast. I know what it felt like to be not good enough, too big, too small, too fat, too skinny, too too old, too young, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I told Adam when he was young, and those kids I found out were picking on him. I said it didn't matter what clothes you wear, what books you read, what friends you have. Assholes are going to be assholes. Yeah. And they'll be everywhere. And their so. bullies mm-hmm. are going to be bullies. Mm-hmm. And and. and you can be part of the solution or part of the problem. You can play along with the stupid game or you can ignore them and just don't even give them any of your energy. And once they realize they don't even get a reaction out of you anymore, then you're n- it's no fun. Yeah. And it, yeah. some of them, it takes a long time to realize that. Some of them, you have to beat their ass and knock their head around a little. Hey, you know. Mm-hmm. But I choose nonviolence. Yeah. I know everybody's like, 30 years in the army and you choose nonviolence. I looked at myself more as a peacekeeper than, and a, and a rainbow warrior more so than a, a, a soldier that was out to kill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's actually, I mean, there's a lot of, like, psychology in that approach, too. They, they call it the gray rock theories when people, antagonists kind of go after you, um, specifically people who have, like, psychopath, like, sociopathy, sociopathy or uh, psychopathy. Um you just kind of give them nothing because they feed off your response. They always will feed off your response if you give them a, a response. Yes. So it's the best way to be. Yes. It's like bouncing a, a, a bouncy ball that, that has no bounce left to it. Mm-hmm. You'll try it a couple of times, but yeah. it doesn't come back to you. Yeah. It's no fun. Your reaction's not going to be satisfying, so you don't come back to it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So. One of the last topics I want to get onto is what did you think, Marcy? Because uh, we obviously we're all from Grand Junction. What did you think when you came to our drag show for the first time? Kind of like that first drag show I saw. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. Um, the the thing that really struck me more than anything was honestly how exhausting i get watching you guys do your show (laughs) because it is the the energy the enthusiasm the passion that you put into it is just so incredible the time and and everything the dedication that is given to to making the show go off putting the costumes together choreography the music choices just you know getting everybody in the door it's incredible but I'm the kind of person, I've been on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for me to see what you guys go through. That's why it was one thing for me, number one, to support you. But, mm-hmm. it, but you know, to be there for you. And I'm the one out in the audience, you know, whistling and, and knocking everybody around. You, know, <laughs> hey! you, I, always, you always are. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> we had a, a, a couple uh, at the last show that had never been to a drag show before. Mm-hmm. And she was so excited to find out that mom and I were associated mm-hmm. with the crowd. Mm-hmm. And so she started asking questions like, you know, you know, how long have they been doing this? How long does it take them to get ready? Mm-hmm. You know, things like this. And of course, I told her straight up, you know, I don't have all the answers. You know, I kind of can tell you a few things. Mm-hmm. But you should go talk to the ladies themselves. Mm-hmm. She goes, the ladies? What? The- Oh, though, oh, oh, yeah, that's right, they're ladies. <laughs> that's good. And, oh, and that's the, good. And the husband, her husband was just, like, so against even coming out mm. to the show. Mm-hmm. And 
this last show in particular was such a fun show mm -hmm. and they had such a good time that I made sure that they got all the pictures from the show. Plus, I took a picture of them with Miss Tina, oh. and I made sure I sent it to them so that they could show it to their daughter who's in college. Mm -hmm. And they just had a fabulous time. And I, to me, that's more what it's all about is reaching out to community members yeah. that don't understand, have never been exposed, and give them that wonderful, fun experience. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. that's the first thing she said. This was really fun. Yeah, yeah. It, th I think that's the most rewarding part of doing it, honestly. Especially when we were doing it in Junction, because there were so many people mm -hmm. that didn't have that exposure. Mm -mm. And mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. And I could tell in the audience in Grand Junction in particular that there were a, quite a few mm -hmm. that had never seen a drag show before. Definitely. And oh, yeah. I noticed that there are quite a few drag babies in the audience mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. And I did, you know, that's an, another thing that I'm learning is, is the, the proper language mm -hmm. for these things, you know. So that it's a whole, it's a whole community. Yeah. It's, 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 it's all in, in, enveloped with love mm -hmm. and based with love. And just, you know, the sheer pettiness alone, eh, that's yeah. just that's just the fun of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and you're an important part of that too. You know, moms mm -hmm. like you that support well, your kids. I mean, that's that's huge. Without moms like you, you know, you, you wouldn't have as many people that are really confident to be themselves and that's super yeah. important. I don't see any difference in I have three sons. Mm -hmm. um, my two oldest, just as horny as Adam, they, <laughs> they, they choose the women instead. Oh, you know, gosh, I tell you, that's so funny. making much better choices there either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, my God, no. Oh, gosh, that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Um, so that does kind of bring us to the end of our episode. Yeah. Um, this was, you're a fabulous storyteller. <laughs> you're such way. a great storyteller, Marcy. <laughs> I could picture what Peanut's like right now. <laughs> yeah, I could too. I could too. Uh, this has been a really wonderful journey, walking down your memories and whatever. Maybe we'll do a part two to this episode since you're staying for a week so we can get more knowledge out of your noggin. And, you know, and, you know, do a couple bonus episodes. I must admit, I was very nervous because I don't enjoy being center attention. Mm -hmm. I'm more one of those kind of people that likes to stay in the background and make things happen mm -hmm. and let you guys take the show. <laughs> Marcy's um, always about, how can I help? How can I help? Yeah, how, yeah. Can I, how can I help you shine? What can I do? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, though, honestly, like, when, yeah. like, anytime I had health problems back in Colorado, you were there to, like, help out with that. And mm -hmm. that's, it's so nice to, like, just have that presence because it's otherwise it's like really hard to just get by without that type of energy well, you know it's you know maybe because i didn't have that growing up that's one yeah. thing that's very important to me to make sure that others feel that yeah you know yeah. you've been on that shit end of the stick it doesn't smell so good no yeah. <laughs> marcy was always the person in grand junction who would be very honest um, whenever we would have really great dialogues and stuff like that. But also, there's this secret side to Marcy that people don't know about when it comes to the... When you need advice, it's incredibly compassionate. Aww. Like, it's not honest. I mean, it is honest, but it's also compassionate. Oh, and when, you. like, when you're just needing those moments to be... Wanting somebody to just be sincere about what you need to do to get your life back on track. Mm -hmm. And I actually can't even remember the advice that Marcy gave me back in the day, but I remember it changed my life. And so... Aww. 
which, and I've told Marcy this a thousand times, because we were sitting at bin 707, <laughs> and um, she was buying everything in the world for us to eat, and I was telling her about my oh, struggles. So good. Oh, such oh, good food. It was great. It yeah. was such good food, and she gave me some really amazing advice that I can't even remember, but it helped me in the time, and yeah. it changed my life, so. Just Thank remember, just remember, you can either be the firefighter or you can be the dog. <laughs> and that's a great way to end it yeah. <laughs> thanks everybody for tuning in thank you Marcy for being on the podcast yes, thank, you. Well, thank you for having me it was yeah. a lot of fun absolutely <laughs> alright everybody that's it for this episode bye bye, bye. 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 bye.